Titus chapter 1, beginning in verse 10, and we'll read on through verse 16. Titus chapter 1, verse 10, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, even be, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be, found, may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men and that turn from the truth. Unto the pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. You may be seated. <clears throat> if anybody in here has ever been deceived, um, it's a terrible thing to get deceived by someone. And I remember when I first went to Washington, D.C., uh, I had graduated from Marshall, and I went down there in October of 89, and uh, I went and took a government position, a clerk uh, in an office uh, for the Department of Justice. And uh, we worked in the expert witness division and uh, worked there for a while. And, and I really wanted to get into something related to my degree, and I had a degree in communications, and I really wanted to get involved in something like that. And I began looking, and, and they have these things called headhunters. And uh, so these headhunters will uh, take your resume, and they'll put it out to jobs that that uh, you're applying for. And so we went over to this office, and I'm actually working for the Department of Justice now. So we go to this office, and I took my resume over, and you pay these people to help you find a position, help you find a job. Well, several weeks had gone by, and then several months had gone by, and uh, it just got to the place where this nothing had happened. And so what, what occurred in this whole situation was is that uh, these uh, monies that I had given to them, they had taken advantage of me. And the only thing they ever sent me were ads, believe this or not, out of the Washington Post. <laughs> and so they sent me some ads out of the Washington Post. I thought, well, I can do that. And I had given them the $600 already. Well, and I'm working for the Department of Justice. So one day, the folks from over at the main office, over at the uh, Attorney General's office, came over to my desk. And I'm a nobody. I'm a clerk in an office. You get it. And so they come over. And they started holding a conversation with me and wanted to know about this. And my name had come up and all this stuff. I'm getting really nervous about this now. And so they said, uh, we believe that you had been taken, you know. So I said, oh, okay. So they're helping me. And, uh, but I felt so deceived. You know, you, you got an education and you're going to go do this. And you're working with these people. And you feel like, you know, you kind of got your act together. How many of you have ever been deceived by someone? It's an uncomfortable feeling, isn't it? And, uh, you know, whenever I was growing up and, they used to have Evil Knievel. How many of you remember Evil Knievel, huh? How many of you remember when you put the Evil Knievel thing on there and you'd wind it up, right? And you'd release him and you had ramps and he was supposed to jump around. I mean, at least on TV when I saw it, it was that way. Well, Caleb, I got deceived. It didn't work. I'd wind that thing up and it'd go and fall. It'd never even make it to the ramp. And, I, and the thing of it is, is whenever you get deceived by someone... You feel taken, don't you? And so you look at this, and he said in verse 10, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. There's a lot of people out there uh, promoting themselves or promoting their uh, religion and not really promoting Jesus Christ. And we have to be very careful about that as believers. 
And anyone who's been deceived, it feels like you're violated, especially uh, of what you believe to be true. And then those that are involved in this type of activity, you want to avoid those kind of people. You get aggravated with them. How many of you have gotten the phone call to go on a vacation, a free vacation or a free cruise, or you can do this or you can do that, you know, and you get there. And my dad gave uh, uh, my wife and I a free cruise one time, and he said, listen, everything's paid for. You don't have to worry about a thing here. I'm going to give it to you guys. It's transferable. I'm going to give it to you. And we got on this cruise, so whenever we go, we get to this hotel. Well, they said, these are the really nice rooms. You're not staying there. You're going to stay here. <laughs> so we went to the not-so-nice hotel. And then in the morning, we were going to get up, and they were going to take us over to where the ship was. But before we did that, we're going to have some time with you. So I found out what they wanted some time for is they wanted to talk to us about timeshares. Oh. Don't ever buy a timeshare. You're wasting your time. <laughs> and, and so I remember going in there, and I was in the ministry, and I told him, I said, listen, I said, before you guys even get started, I just want to let you know I have this much surplus income at the end of the month. Everybody has something. I said, no, I don't. How'd you go on this cruise? I said, my dad gave it to me. Where'd you get the money to, to spend while you're on the ship? I said, my dad sent me money to go on the ship. And he says, so you don't have anything. He goes, everybody has something. Here, let me show you something. <laughs> and he wanted me to get involved in this timeshare. Timeshares are deception, folks. You'll never use them as much as you think you will. And people are taking advantage of people all the time in those arenas. So if you got one, don't feel bad. Pastor almost got taken too. So this carries over into our faith, and the Lord equips us with uh, truth so that we can remain sound or healthy and strong in our faith. And so I began to think about something that is contaminated. Most people would want to stay away from it. And yet uh, Titus is getting this letter from Paul, and he's writing to him, and he's talking about people that subvert whole houses, teaching things that they ought not, and they're deceivers, and they're vain talkers, and they're all this kind of stuff. And so it's a bunch of false teaching that's going on. And so when you think about it, if something's contaminated, how many of us want to have some of it? Now, I used to love cottage cheese. I don't know if anybody in here likes cottage cheese or not. I like it, and uh, I still do to this day. I enjoy it, and uh, I like the small curds, by the way, and uh, not the large curds. So, and, uh, But anyway, I like cottage cheese. And, uh, but the thing of it is, is if you've ever opened cottage cheese and it's contaminated, whoo! I mean, you open that, and I mean, it'll hit your nostrils, and you'll think, good night. And so you don't say, boy, hmm, I think I'd like to have some of that at that point. It's contaminated. You don't want any part of it. And what I'm sharing with you is this. If you're going to be sound in your faith, be careful that you're not getting involved with contaminated religion. It'll stink. It'll start to show itself, and you'll see it. Let me share this thought with you. They allow themselves to become tainted with false teaching, religion, or even the philosophies of the world, and none of which is sound in faith. And so I say to stay strong in your faith, we've got to do what the Scriptures teach. How many of you know 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, where the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. How many of you know that verse? A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God teaches us something in the Scriptures that we ought to know what this says. So that when the false thing comes along or the false teaching starts or that which is contaminated comes to my ears, I know the difference between what is truth and what is not truth. And so I'm able to guard and stay sound in my faith. If you look at verse 13, he said, This witness is true whereof uh, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. He's saying that you stay strong in your faith. Rebuke that which is false. And so here's the thing. 
this, uh, this uh, uh, type of teaching, this unruly and vain talkers, these deceivers, they're out there trying to do this. And here's what I want to challenge you with. Would you be able to identify false teaching? Would you be able to believe, would you as a Christian be able to identify false teaching if you heard it? And so how would you know whether it's false or not? What would be the gauge that you would use to help you know whether what you're hearing is false and what you know is true? How would you do that? What is it that you would utilize to help you in that manner? Well, God equips us with some things. First of all, if you're saved, that's the first thing that needs to happen, amen? Secondly, he gives us his word and he gives us the Holy Spirit. And so by reading the Word of God and studying the Word of God, we're able then to identify those things which are not true, those things which are contaminated. So would you be able to identify false teaching so that you can remain sound in your faith? Now, I believe this. It's not always easy to identify uh, those type of teachers or those type of people because they try to infiltrate slowly. They try to make it sound like we're the same, (laughs) we're very close, or we're, we're almost on the same page, or, or whatever. There was someone else that did that one time, too, and his name was Satan. <laughs> and he did that to Eve in the Garden of Eden. And, and he said, has God really said that that way? And all this idea of just trying to deceive us to try to get us off track. So here's what I want to challenge you with tonight. It is not always easy to identify teaching or people who lead you down a path of false teaching. So it requires you as a believer to study to avoid this type of ungodliness. So staying sound in your faith, what does it require? Well, it requires us to be uh, people that know and identify false teachers. We can see them, uh, and we understand what they're saying is false. We understand what they're teaching is wrong. And what is our gauge for it? Well, it's going to be the Word of God. And God said for you to study to show yourself approved unto God. Paul said whenever they're getting off track or when they go off track, you rebuke them sharply so that they stay sound in the faith. If someone in the church here is erring in their way, I want to tell them what the truth is. Now, if they want to argue about it, the only thing I can do is rebuke them sharply for their thought process that they're going down or that kind of teaching trying to bring it into the church. And so what it is, it requires you as a believer to study to avoid that and then to avoid certain teachers or teachings or thoughts, you have to avoid the deceivers. You have to avoid the liars, and clearly you have to avoid, as he said here, those which are defiled. And so I come to you tonight with this message about these deceivers. And he says in verses 10 and 11, whose mouths, in verse 11, whose mouths must be stopped. So when you look at this, deception is not of the Lord. God is not a deceiver. And, and when you're deceived, it can bring about emotions. It can bring about anger and distrust. It can bring about bitterness in your heart toward things. I was angry when I realized I was taken by that organization whenever I gave him my $600 and I get a Washington Post ad in an envelope in the mail. <laughs> you realize you're taken, right? And, and, and it makes you angry. It makes you bitter. And, and you want revenge and you want to go against it. Well, the best thing you can do is to rebuke them sharply and move away from that false stuff. So anyone in a relationship with another, and, they, and you've been misled, maybe a spouse or family member, uh, sometimes it can really cause some terrible feelings inside of you. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, there was a situation that occurred. How many of you know who Laban is in the Old Testament? How many of you know who I'm talking about, right? So Laban is Jacob's uncle. <laughs> and so Jacob goes over to his uncle Laban's place, and he says, Hey, Uncle Laban, I'll go and work for you, and uh, I'll work for you for seven years so I can have... Rachel. I want Rachel. Oh, okay. 
So what Uncle Laban failed to do was tell him what was taking place as tradition in their area. And it was that they must marry off the eldest first before the next. <laughs> and so he worked seven years for Rachel. And so in the morning when he comes in, he sees something. And it came to pass, and this is in Genesis 29, 25, that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? <laughs> Now, I want to tell you, I imagine Jacob was a little upset. And so Laban comes up with plan B, doesn't he? What are you going to work a little longer? You can get Rachel at that point. So he was misled, wasn't he? And it's an uncomfortable feeling when that happens to any of us. And so Paul's talking about these deceivers, and the deceivers are almost always looking out for themselves. And I want to tell you, Laban was looking out for himself. He got some free labor out of him for one of his daughters. So let me share this with you now. What does Paul identify? So in this letter, he's very descriptive about the character of those that are out to benefit themselves. Look at the types of things that he says about them. First of all, he said they were unruly. Secondly, he said they were vain talkers. Thirdly, he called them deceivers, and then he pointed out a particular group of people. He said, especially they of the circumcision. So when he speaks of those that are unruly, he's talking about the rebellious. He's talking about the disobedient. And then when he talks about these vain talkers, he's talking about those idle, senseless, mischievous people. When he talks about the deceivers, he's talking about those that mislead and seduce. And then he said, especially of a particular group, and he said, particularly of the Jews, they try to do this. And he was pointing out his own people for what they were doing wrong. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 1, the Bible says, And a certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. How many of you believe that tonight? <laughs> Except you be circumcised, you can't be saved. Now listen, that is deceptive talk, isn't it? That is deceiving people. And what they were trying to do was deceive them. And Paul's writing to Titus, he said, listen, you need to be aware of this. And I challenge you folks, listen, you go out in your cars, you get on your radios, and listen, I believe there's probably some good people on the radio, but there's also some stuff on the radio that you're listening to that probably is not healthy for you. And I can, I can tell you that you've got to be careful and you need to know what the scriptures teach, not just what people teach about the scriptures. And the way you know the difference between the two is that you study to show yourself to prove. That's how you begin to identify those that are being deceptive in their teachings. So after identifying the character traits, Paul told Titus, uh, what do you do about this? And here's what he said. Notice what he says about this. This is strong language. He said, whose mouths must be what? Stopped. They need to stop this. And who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for, and they're doing it for money. And so they're doing it for money's sake. And so what this teaches us, he says, it's, not, it's necessary for you to really basically shut them up, rebuke them sharply for what they're doing. And he said, you need to silence them for this. And then he goes on and he says, listen, they subvert whole houses. Now let me share something with you. Men, listen to me tonight. You men have a big responsibility in your homes. You have a huge responsibility in your homes. How you lead your home is what's going to happen with your family often. And whenever you don't lead your family properly, they can be led down a path of deception. And what it is, is you need to know truth. This says they go in to subvert whole houses, overturn, destroy, overthrow. Turn to 2 Timothy. We're there in Titus. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
Look over here just a moment. In verse 5, it says this. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and ever able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And he's saying this. What happens is these deceivers try to get into the house. Now, here's the thing. Um, we've had uh, the Jehovah Witnesses come and knock on our door. And when they come and knock on the door, uh, if Anita goes to the door, they'll continue to talk. And she said, well, wait a minute. I want you to talk to my husband. You know they want to leave. They don't want to talk to me. And the thing of it is, is they try to go after the women first. And they want to start offering you a book called The Watchtower. <laughs> and, and they want to try to divert you from truth into a lie. Now, the Mormons do the same thing, folks. They come around, and they have these elders that ride around on these bikes, and they bring another book. Not this book. <laughs> they want you to listen to another book. That's deception, isn't it? And, and what it is is the book that we need to read is this book. And by the way, if you're in it and you're studying and you're learning it, you'll start to identify those things which are false teachings. And so I challenge you with this. He said, listen, they come in, they want to subvert whole houses, they want to overturn whole houses, teaching things which they ought not. This was false teaching that, that was against Christ and the truth. Now here's the thing. Any religion that teaches you have to do something other than trust Jesus Christ to get to heaven, they're lying to you. They're lying to you. They are deceiving you. If you have to do something other than trust Jesus Christ to take your soul to heaven, they're lying to you. You cannot find in the scriptures where you have to do anything but trust Jesus Christ as Savior. And so when they come to your doorsteps and they knock on your doors or they're telling you on the radio, and by the way, the reason I said be careful of who you're listening to on the radio because you think they sound like us until you find out what their doctrine really is and you find out who they really are and what they're really teaching you and they're to subvert, try to move in and change your thinking. And so you need to be wise to these things. And so they teach something different about the Christ we know. And so what is the reason that they're doing this? Well, in Paul's case here, he said they were doing it for filthy lucre. They did it for monetary gain. They did it for selfishness. They did it for selfish reasons. How many of you remember uh, some folks that fell in the 80s uh, because they were doing wrong? How many of you remember some of those fellows that fell because they were doing things they ought not? <laughs> Amen. And, and they were teaching things that they ought not teach, and they were doing it for filthy lucre's sake. They were doing it for money or monetary gain and not really to lead people to Christ. So be able to identify false teaching and false teachers, and you do that by being in the Word. Then being a person that avoids being misled by those who give false witness for personal gain. They're liars. Look at verses 12 through 14. He said, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, and he goes on to explain this. He tells us to rebuke them. He goes on in verse 14, not giving heed to Jewish fables and the commandments of men that turn from the truth. Now listen, we have religions right here in this town that are trying to teach you commandments of men rather than the truth of God's Word. And what it is is you need to know the truth of God's Word. If you are personally going to remain healthy in your faith, you have to avoid this false teaching. And to remain healthy, you need to stay on a steady diet of truth. You say, what is that, preacher? Do you have a personal devotion time every day? In the scriptures, do you have something that you're reading on an ongoing basis in the Bible? 
Now, we, we offer up from time to time the uh, uh, daily bread out there, right? And uh, you can take those, and that'll help you a little bit. But if you really want to start on a steady diet of truth, you need to be reading the Scriptures on an ongoing basis. And, and here's what we do. I, I've seen people do this. I, I have some cards that we have over here in the little library over here. I can give those to you so you can read through the Bible in a year. But the thing of it is, is that you have to decide to do that. Most of us will say, just like when the new year comes, man, I'm going to get into Genesis, man, I'm going to start reading. I'm going to read Genesis 1. I get to Genesis 2. By the time I get to Genesis 3, I'm done. And what we need to do is have a steady diet of God's Word in our life. Are you on a steady diet? You see, to identify those deceivers, to identify those liars, to identify those people that are doing the things that they're doing, you need to know truth. So to remain healthy, you need to stay on a steady diet of truth. Now here he says, many noble Christians were in this congregation there in Crete. So Paul used an illustration of one of their own to emphasize how to identify these liars. And the word Cretan or Cretans is the word liar. That's what it came to mean. And he said, one of your own prophets said, this is what you are. <laughs> now listen, this is God identifying people who are teaching false things about Jesus Christ. So folks, by the way, the Word of God doesn't change. If there are people out there standing at pulpits just like this, teaching false information about Jesus Christ, they're no different than what he's identifying right here, right now. We don't like to use this language because we feel like it's harsh, but it's truth. So what does he identify them as? One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. Now, if we were in the Wild West, that'd be shooting words. <laughs> Amen? That'd be like, shh, what'd you say? And the thing of it is, is he points it out to him. He says, this is what you're doing. And he emphasizes this. This word Cretan was invented to help people understand lie, people who exaggerate for effect. Paul's starting to teach him about these false teachers and these liars. So Paul stressed the point further in identifying their nature. He called them evil beasts. Now, if you look that up, it has the idea that these are worthless people. I mean, that's pretty tough language, isn't it? Can you imagine I come in here and say, look, you evil beast. I mean, think of the language that he's using. And he's saying this is the type of people that they are. These are worthless people. These are depraved and dangerous animals is the idea. And that's what he's calling them. And he's saying if they're teaching false information to people, just think about it. God's going to hold them accountable for what they're doing. And, and Paul helping them identify it. You can identify it by knowing what truth is. You see, you can come and sit in the message and I can preach to you and, and, and we can even have an amen service and we can get all excited and woo-hoo and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't know your Bible, you're going to fall. And you're going to fall hard. You need to study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So he not only called them evil beasts, he called them these worthless, depraved, dangerous animals. He called them slow bellies. He said lazy, idle gluttons. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but these are some pretty tough words to use against someone. Yet Paul is identifying what type of people were doing this. Let me give you a verse for us. You can write this down. Romans 16, 18. The Bible said, For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ with their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. So Paul told Titus, this witness 
is true. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Verse 13. He's talking about these types of people, and he said, this witness is, tr is true. And he said, wherefore rebuke them. When you are under the preaching of truth and you're reading and studying the scriptures, you will stay healthy in your faith. And so the question for you tonight is, is are you on a steady diet of the scriptures? Are you on a steady diet of the scriptures? Are you communing with God? Are you meeting with the Lord? Are you praying and, and, and talking to God and going through the Bible and reading it? And so whenever you go out into the world, you can identify these things. When you're under that preaching, it'll happen. When you're under that teaching, it'll happen. He told Titus and those he was writing to at the church, do not listen to these Jewish fables. And who would know better than Paul? And I don't have time to turn there now, but you can write this down. Go over and read what Paul said about himself in Philippians chapter 3. Look at verses 3 through 7 and see what Paul was saying about himself. He was the Hebrew of the Hebrews, was he not? And he said, listen, he's saying this, not giving heed to Jewish fables and the commandments of men that turn from the truth. He said, don't go back into those old ways. Don't go back and listen to them because they're lying to you. Sometimes we fall back in that comfort zone and go back to our old ways. And Paul knew about the teaching, the commandments of men. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 9 and 11, Jesus speaking here, he said, been in vain they do worship me teaching for the doctrines, the commandments of men. And in verse 11, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. And so he says, this vain worship, these teachings, they're doing it of men, so they take this in and then they send it out. And God says it's not even as much as what you take in as what you put out that's wrong. That's where they're going to be hurting. It's the things that they're saying and the lies that they're professing and what they're teaching others. Be able to identify false teaching and teachers, and you remain sound in your faith. How do you do that? Well, I believe you have to study to show yourself approved unto God. You have to be in the Bible. And the last thought is this, and it's on the defiled. You know, the warning grows stronger, and avoid even having your thoughts corrupted. And boy, he digs deep here. He says in verse 15 and 16, he said, Under the pure, all things are pure. But under them that are defiled and unbelieving, it's nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Even their mind and their conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. So what happens, folks, to the believer? What happens to the believer over time is when you continually expose yourself to that which is false or those false things, a process of corruption begins. And this is what I talk about even as saved people, when we go out into the world, we're there to win the loss to Christ. We don't go into the world to become them again. And the deal here is, is that he's saying when you go backwards and you go back toward those people, you're going to defile yourself. You're going to become corrupt if you keep it up and you keep allowing that kind of doctrine to be taught to you. So Paul points out to Titus, unto the pure all things are pure, reminding us this, and I want you to get a hold of this tonight, reminding us of this, uh, that purity is an internal matter, not just an external. So keep your thoughts pure, and it'll purify your actions. How many of you believe that tonight? You keep your thoughts pure, and your outward actions will be pure. And what happens to us is we don't keep this pure enough, so our outward actions become impure. And he's telling them the same thing here. He said to them that they're pure, all things are pure. It's not just an external matter, it's an internal matter. And where does God work? He works on the inward man, doesn't he? He works on the heart. 
He works on that, the spirit of man. And that's where his work is taking place. And by that, outward things occur. And so it's not just an internal or an external matter. It's an internal. Luke eleven thirty nine through 40. Would you turn there with me? Luke eleven thirty nine through 40. I want you to look at a few verses here real quick. Luke eleven thirty nine through 40. I love to hear pages turning in the church, man. I'll tell you, I miss that a lot. You know, because a lot of people, they, and not that it's bad that you use your phone. I mean, I don't care, but, man, I love to hear pages turning. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. You hear those pages turning. Luke eleven thirty nine. everybody with me? Make sure I'm in the right place. And the Lord said unto him, am I in the right place? Okay, I, I, I just want you to get a hold of what's said here. Now, think about this for just a minute, okay? And I'm telling you, this is an internal matter, not just an external matter. Look at what it says here. And the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward parts is full of ravening and what? Wickedness. It's not just about what it looks like on the outside. Uh, my brother and I, we, we were talking about uh, at one point making investments, and we saw this house, and it had a good price on it. And so I said, man, that's a good price on the house. It looked good on the outside. And we went inside, and the furnace was old, and the Flooring was uh, rotting, and some things had gone wrong on the inside. But, man, it looked good on the outside, you know what I mean? And uh, I, I owned a Dodge Neon one time. How do you know what a Dodge Neon is? Now, if you own one, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. It was a piece of garbage when I bought it. Hey, man, it was the first new car I ever bought in my life. And, 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 I, and from that point forward, I never bought a new car. From that point forward, I never bought a new car after that. At 36,000 miles, I was ready to drive it to the junkyard, <laughs> And I mean, the paint had come off the car and the calipers had snapped and the, uh, the head gasket had blown. And you said, man, you must have been rough. No, I was not. I remember fearing because my dad always told me, now listen, when you go to those places and you get them starters, be careful. Don't get that too close to that because it'll take that paint right off the car. And I went down there and I'm washing up Anita's car. It was Anita's car, it wasn't mine. I was washing up Anita's car for her and I'm spraying that thing and I was just shooting all of a sudden on the top of the car, the paint just... Now, when I first got it, it looked good. Are you with me? It looked good. And it started to go downhill at about 15,000 miles. And I mean, it was just the internal workings of that car were not good. I remember when I put my foot on the brake, and we were at 18,000 miles at this point. Put my foot on the brake, and the car went, clunk! And I thought, good night, what just happened? The caliper had snapped. <laughs> it was a piece of garbage. I thought, you know, Lego put this thing together, or Coleco. I mean, I'm not even sure, some toy company. I was looking now for the rope to start the thing. I mean, it was a piece of junk. But it looked good on the outside. I remember when the commercials first ran, it was called the high car, the neon. Hi. And so we loved this thing in the beginning. And when it began to reveal what was in it, <laughs> it really didn't turn out too well for us. I could not wait to get rid of that car. And I'm sharing this with you. And the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Listen to what Jesus says. His words are tough on people. He said, ye fools. You fools. He said, 
Did not he that made that which is without make that which is within also? I mean, he wants you to know Jesus doesn't want us just dressed up in suits, folks. He wants something to happen internally with you. And it takes effort to do that. You have to be in the Word. Those that live impure lives are those that, who start with wicked thinking, and Paul referred to them as unbelieving, or one who lacks trust in Christ and does not believe the gospel of Jesus. And without Christ, a man or a woman is corrupt, and to them is nothing pure. Nothing is pure. And again, we see the internal matter that has external results. Paul said their mind and conscience is defiled. And you ought to underline that in your Bible. And here's what it should do to you and to me. We ought to realize that we need to think differently than the world thinks. We need to think differently than the world thinks. And the only way you're going to think differently than the world thinks is to know what Christ thinks. And the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And God wants us to put on the mind of Christ. He said that you put off the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man. He continually tells us through the scriptures, listen, we need to change our thinking. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind, the way you think. And he said, the way you think is going to send you down a path of destruction if you keep hanging out with these false teachers. Matthew 15, 7 and 8, Jesus states, listen to this, ye hypocrites. That's some tough words, isn't it? I mean, he's talking to him. He said, look, you bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> when he said ye, he said, I'm specifically talking to you folks. He said, ye hypocrites. He said, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart, where's their heart? It's far from me. Listen, God cares about you internally. He cares about that inward person. He cares about the way you're thinking. That thinking that you have will start to produce outward actions or outward behavior. And so if what you're putting in you is truth, if you're studying to show yourself approved unto God, if you are fellowshipping with Jesus Christ, if you are reading His Word, if you're communing with God, if you're reading the Scriptures, if you're allowing that into you, listen, what's coming into you will come out of you. But what happens whenever we start allowing these false teachings to come in is they mess us up. Paul told Titus they profess to know God, but in works they deny Him. Their words and their works do not match up. Now listen, your works don't save you, but I'm here to tell you, your works speak volumes about you as a believer. And if I have no desire to serve Christ, where am I in this thing? And he said, they speak with their lips, but their heart's far from me. Again, the character of these individuals is identified. Notice what he says. He said, that, uh, he said but even their mind and their conscience is defiled. He says things about them. They profess that they know God, but in worse, they deny him. Notice this, being abominable. I mean, that's a strong word. <laughs> that word has this idea that it absolutely stinks in the nostrils of God. It's contaminated. It has that idea that the aroma of that is so bad, <laughs> God can't stand it. 
And so he says about them that their conscience is seared, it's defiled, and in their works, being abominable, they're doing the wrong things. It's detestable, it's loathsome is the idea. And disobedient is you refuse to listen or comply with truth. And he says this, and every under, and under every good work, a reprobate. Now, if you, I don't have time to do this, but if you want to find out what a reprobate is, go and read Romans chapter 1 and read verses 18 through 32. And it will tell you exactly what a reprobate is. And, and what the Bible says here is that they've come to the place that even unto every good work they're a reprobate. So what does this imply? This implies that these people have been tested spiritually and have been found to be unfit. They've been found to be disapproved of God. God's not interested in them. Paul, speaking of himself, think about this for just a moment, and I'll end with this tonight. He said, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He said, but I keep my body and bring it into subjection. He says, I beat down my flesh. <laughs> I try to stop my flesh from doing things. I try to stop myself from doing things. In 1 Corinthians 11, 18 and 19, he said, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. He said, for there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest. God said, sometimes... He allows them to come to light. And he says, what I'll do is I'll show you who's approved of me by what they're doing, by how they're behaving. And that internal man, who they are, will eventually manifest itself outwardly. It'll show itself. It'll be brought to light. So God will identify those that he approves of and then shows the responsibility that the Christians have to each other. And I want to challenge you with this tonight. Listen, if you have brothers and sisters that are walking away from God or getting involved in false teachings or false religions or false teachers, and you are a mature Christian in the Word of God, just say, hey, look, you need to read the Bible. That's not what the Scriptures teach. And I want to tell you something. When you tell people this is what the Bible says, they want to argue with God. They're not really arguing with you. They want to argue with God. And so what we ought to do as believers is this. Be very, very careful that we identify those false teachings and those false teachers. And folks, how do you remain sound in the faith? Well, you've got to study. You can't just come to a church service and think you're going to get it all. You can't just come to a Sunday school class and think you're going to get it all. You need to study to show yourself approved unto God. If you're going to identify that false teaching and those false teachers, you personally need to know the Word of God.